Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to our latest uh, podcast, again, Housing Matters Podcast. Uh, this is Oscar Way, along with Jordan Levine. Hey, everyone. Hey, um, well, today we have, um, this is our, the end of the, uh, the beginning of the second quarter. That's right. We just had um, our press release, I think, uh, releasing this morning. That's right, depending on when data. you download this. Yeah. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, so we have three months in a book already, and uh, I think last time when we talked about, when we had our podcast, we talked briefly about, you know, transitioning into the home buying season. Yeah. But uh, we have some newest data to look at, so let's take a look at those numbers first before we talk about the uh, home buying season. Yeah, no doubt. There's, uh, you know, hard to paint this one with a, in a negative light. The the first quarter of the year really seemed to get off to a bang. Right. Uh, a big part of that was March. March actually posted the fastest pace of growth for home sales uh, so far this year. So we really? actually had 6.9% more transactions last month. Uh, than we did at the same point in March 2016. So that's a pretty sizable gain in home sales. Pretty impressive. I mean, I mean, I know it, for the first couple of months we had some increase on a year-over-year basis, but 6.9 is pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. And you know, January and February were also pretty fast. So you know, if you add up the first three months of the year, uh, we closed out the first quarter about 5.4 percent ahead of where we were at the same point in 2016. So uh, definitely seem to be getting off to a much stronger start. Very nice. And um, I know, you know, of course, it's hard to use benchmark sometime, but I know uh, using the 400,000 benchmark, uh, we have been exceeding that benchmark for quite some time. Yeah, uh, definitely. We've year. been up there a year, so which is, wow. you know, um, Although we haven't seen a ton of growth, right? We've still seen a, a sizable number of transactions uh, happening out there, despite all these kind of headwinds and structural issues that we tend to talk about on a regular basis. Um, you know, folks are still out there doing deals, and I know when I go out, and I don't know if it's the same for you or not, but when I'm doing outreaches and stuff, even just anecdotally, when you talk to members in Orange County or the Central Valley, um, you know, they're saying that the market's on fire in the first quarter and that things are are going pretty well, and that seems to be backed up. Uh, when we look at the closed sales for the month. Pretty nice. Um, and I was going to ask you that, you know, because, you know, when we talk to uh, different folks in different areas, different regions, you might have a different feel for it. And I talked to some people, you know, I had a, a speech uh, last week, and it seems like Bay Area seems pretty nice. Um, so, you know, when you look at those numbers that we just released, is it pretty much across the board? Yeah, it is. You know, it's... Uh Every region, I guess, has their challenges, but the growth that we saw this month was really broad-based. Southern California did the best. Uh -huh. um, you know, it was really led in large part by the Inland Empire and Riverside County in particular, uh -huh. seeing some good growth, uh, which I think, you know, has a lot of feathers in its cap just because it's more affordable, uh, still offers that kind of access if you need to commute to a job in L.A. or sure. Orange County, and I think that you know, draws people across the border, but um, the Inland Empire's economy is also doing well in its own right. It took a, a while to kind of get, get rolling uh, in the wake of the downturn, 
you know, didn't start recovering as fast as LA or Orange County down here, um, but really started to to grow at a disproportionate rate over the course of the last couple of years. So I think, you know, it's it's got both of those things going for it. It's attractive to folks who maybe want to move across uh, from those coastal areas and get more affordable housing, but also creating a lot of jobs in its own right. So, you know, you're kind of got the double whammy of demand, um, you know, and things are more affordable and a little less constrained there. But even in places like the Bay Area, where you know housing is much less affordable, much more inventory constrained, uh-huh. uh, the Bay Area even posted a six point four percent increase as well. And so uh, it was really ran the gamut from affordable areas, coastal areas, you know, tight supply, not as tight a supply. Uh, Central Valley was up by almost three percent. Even the Central Coast, which has been a little slower, I think was up by about a percent or two as well. Um, so really, you know, ran the ran the board in terms of places that saw increased sales last month. So that's all good news. Yeah, I mean, I know that, you know, Inland Empire, you know, going back to, you know, what you said earlier about Southern California, of course, we know that retail sales may not be the strongest, but, you know, online retail sales seems to be doing just fine. Oh, yeah. And, you know, with uh, the trade talk with China, seems like it's going okay. Uh, I don't think we're having a trade war, uh, uh, at least in, not in the immediate future. The the focus is on something else, on politics, on you know North Korea, but it's not on you know trade so far. So it seems like we are going to get a little bit more um, online uh, retail. Amazon is booming. Yeah, so I think all those distribution centers are going to do well. I mean, I can tell you anecdotally, I took my kids down to the Long Beach Aquarium the other day, and huh? plenty of trucks on that 710 heading north out of the ports of L.A. and Long Beach. So it seems like those containers are still flowing in. Wow. Well, and, and you know, you talk about Bay Area. Solano and Sonoma, those are more affordable areas. But it seems like, you know, it seems to be slowing down a bit in terms of sales. Do you think it has something to do with, uh, uh, you know, solid performance in the previous year? Or what do you think the... Yeah, I mean, you know, I think in, in in these two cases specifically, I think in some ways their kind of biggest strength is also their, you know, becoming one of their bigger weaknesses because I think, you know, as you mentioned, they're more affordable. They're still in close proximity. You know, you can drive uh-huh. down through Marin and get to San Francisco fairly easily from Sonoma and Solano. You know, you drive across a couple of bridges and you're over in these major employment centers, even in, you know, Oakland and Alameda or Santa Clara or wherever you have to go with much more affordable housing. Uh, but I think the the consequence of that is that they've been attractive to so many people that what you see is that those two markets also had really strong growth in prices. Uh-huh. And so I think that that's a function of, you know, hey, they're so much more affordable. That's really attractive. Some of those folks who are maybe priced out of Santa Clara, San true, Mateo, San Francisco, you know, they pour across the county line and really bid up the cost of housing in Solano and Sonoma so that, you know, it's still more affordable to live in Solano and Sonoma. Um, than it was, you know, than it is to live in those coastal employment centers. But the amount of savings, that discount that you get, because prices are now growing faster in those markets than they are in San Francisco, say, um, that amount of money that you're saving is actually shrinking. So you're still saving money, but that incentive to, you know, maybe swap a, a longer commute time for the opportunity to become a homeowner isn't as much as it used to be because of all of that demand pouring into those areas. And so, you know, it's not to say that they're going to be $1.3 million markets (laughs) like San Francisco, but, uh, you know, as they're so much more attractive, they start to lose that edge in terms of being so much more affordable than some of these other markets. And, of course, there's always a little bit of a threshold. If you get past that threshold, you know, people have to think twice again. 
Um, yeah, I'm willing to drive two and a half hours to work, <laughs> but only if I'm saving a big chunk of money. Right. So Very that's true. the calculation. Very true. Now, we um, so for, uh, about affordability. Um, it has a lot to do with interest rates, of course. Um, knowing that sales have been pretty strong in the first quarter, and interest rate probably will arise in the upcoming months or so. Uh, do you think the momentum that we are seeing right now in the first quarter is going to continue, or do you think we should stick with our forecast? Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that <laughs> up because uh, you know I looked at the numbers and we you know rounding out Q1, especially and we go through and kind of tally everything up, and I said, wow, we're you know 5.4 percent ahead of where we were. Uh-huh. That seems pretty aggressive relative to you know our forecast of less than one percent growth, but you know I still feel pretty confident in in the kind of trajectory of our forecast, whether it's exactly 0.8 percent or not. I mean, I think that you know our our estimate of a fairly flat market this year is still um, realistic, even in light of this kind of great start to the year. And I think that's, you know, the case for multiple reasons, uh, not least of which is affordability, which you mentioned, you know, uh-huh. we have tight supply and uh, prices are are up in the first, you know, three months of the year in March, they were up about 6.9%, I think, or, or 6.8% over where they were at the same exact point last year, uh-huh. um, which is already faster than what incomes are growing, right? Incomes aren't going True. up by 6.8%. So just on the surface, um, you know, that's worse affordability. But the other thing to keep in mind is that rates are up. And that really is the Very double true. whammy in terms of, you know, it's not just the price of the house that you're buying that matters it's also how much it costs to make that monthly payment which is also uh, impacted by those interest rates and actually we're up about you know 50 60 basis points over the year if you look at it you know depending on if you look a monthly or annual average or quarterly average for those interest rates Uh, but actually the cost of owning that same priced home um, is up more than twice of what that kind of headline price appreciation number would suggest so yeah prices are up 6.8%, 6.8%, but the interest rates are up as well. So actually, when you look at the cost of just owning and making the payment on that median priced home, uh, it's actually up about 13.6%, um, not just the 6.8% the wow. prices are up. So you really are getting hit by the double whammy of both you know, homes being more expensive uh-huh. and the cost of making those payments is higher because we're now at 4.2% instead of 3.7%. Uh, interest rates, and so I think you know that median priced home went from being somewhere on the order of seventeen hundred and fifty dollars a month to uh, um, you know twenty two, twenty three hundred dollars a month, chunk. which is a you know it's a lot of extra money that folks are coming forward with just to get the exact exact same home uh, that they were getting last year. And we're only talking about you know so far this year, and we know that another twenty five, fifty basis point probably will be tagged on to you know the thirty year fixed rate or you know adjustable rate before the end. Of the year, right? Yep. Um, and who knows about next year? Next year, even, even maybe even more. I mean, that kind of justifies some of the reasons why people are kind of pulling their sales forward a little bit, jumping into the market. I know housing demand is not necessarily what we want to uh, want. We need to be concerned about. It's mainly about supply, which we'll turn our attention to in a minute. Um, and um, and it's and 
you're absolutely right about the cost of home ownership. You know, thirteen percent is a lot more than the six percent or seven percent. You know, of price increase. Yeah, I mean, the fact remains that people aren't getting thirteen percent. You know, salary increases on average, and so you know, our affordability exactly. problems are are only getting worse. And so, you know, I think that's going to impact our ability to grow sales and things like that, and also going to eat into home ownership. Um, you know, but the the kind of upshot of that is is that it's driving all these people through the gates. You know, we always get folks asking, "Is it a good time to buy?" Or we've got people who are on the fence. And I think you know, when you look at the uh, trajectory of of that cost of home ownership, um, it would suggest that both prices are going to continue to go up, and those pro- you know homes are going to be more expensive to make the payments on. Uh, so from that perspective, it seems like it's it's you know makes sense to get in sooner than later. And I need to tell you this, you know, when I go out to outreach, I usually show uh, people some slides on how much it will increase in terms of monthly premium, how much it will increase in terms of um, the uh, what they need to buy a home. Right. And I will usually suggest to my audience that you know if you want to show your boss that you know six percent or seven percent increase and hopefully get a, a raise in your salary, that'll be great. Of course, uh, I back off a little bit and say, don't quote me on it. I don't want to be yeah. the target. You know, yeah, exactly. Your Get some nasty emails. Exactly. So is it across, again, I want to ask the same questions. Uh, is the price increase across uh, all regions um, or is it um, in uh, mainly in uh, uh, Bay Area, or some other areas? No, I mean, prices were up pretty much across the board. Uh, very strong, broad-based gains in home prices, but uh, I think you see it disproportionately in some of those areas that used to be more affordable, right? Is that, again, they're seeing that kind of additional boost in demand by being you know, relatively more affordable than some of their neighbors. Uh, and so you see places, again, like the Inland Empire, uh-huh. uh, you know, the Eastern Bay Area regions, you know, right. doing uh, really well in terms of price appreciation just because they have not only a growing economy, but all these folks spilling in from other areas to try and take advantage of those uh, more affordable housing units. Yeah, and San Mateo seems to be always rising. <laughs> San Mateo seems to be always double-digit, um, and I guess it's a, uh, a bedroom community. Um, yeah, and I think that kind of segues into our next segment, really, which is it's also, you know, one of the most inventory-constrained exactly. areas as well. And, uh, you know, they've got all this great tech infrastructure up there and churning out lots of, you know, six-figure income earners. Um, and, and that's enough to keep that upward pressure on prices um, just simply because they just don't have enough housing. And they're turning out enough of these high-income folks um, who want to go out and gobble up what housing they do have that, that it keeps those prices going up. Yeah. Right. And, and, and active listings or supply has been uh, dropping quite a bit in the last, uh, what, 20 months or so. I think last time we reported in our uh, release that uh, on a year over year basis, it's, uh, it's actually down uh, as of March, it's down like 21 months on a year over year basis. Yeah. And um, it's at a very low level right now, right? Yeah, three months of supply. So we did have a little bit of a seasonal boost, um, you know, just because sales are usually weaker in January and February. Uh That totally got erased in March, and we're back down to three months of supply. That's actually, um, you know, about 0.6 months, almost a full month lower than what it was last year, uh, where inventory was already tight. I think last month, uh, last time, last year, this time, we were running about 3.6 months of supply. Now we're at three months, and, and, 
last year's market was no picnic already. And so I think that's the other reason why we're still confident in our forecast. It's not only, you know, do you have that double whammy of higher priced homes and more expensive mortgages, uh, but there's also just nothing available for sale. I mean, we had a 6.9% increase in sales last month, and that was despite the fact that there was 12% fewer listings on the market. And so, you know, I think lots of folks are rushing in to get ahead of those higher rates and maybe get in before, um, you know, prices go any higher. But at the same time, you can't buy what somebody's not selling. And so um, that's why I think that you're going to start to see this growth in home sales peter out as we get into the second half of the year, uh, just because again, folks wanna buy, but but if folks aren't selling, it's gonna make this you know increase in home sales a, a really tough road to hoe. And you said it right, you know, we have a 6.9, even though we have, might have a 6.9% increase in sales, but at the same time, we're not getting as many yeah, increase, even if we might have a slight increase in listings on a month-to-month basis, basis, but on a year-over-year basis, we actually have a decline in active listings. So it just doesn't justify it. At some point, people will think, well, your price has increased a little too much. I'm going to back off a little bit um, before going and jumping in. So, I mean, I understand your concern about what sales or housing demand eventually may slow down You know, when we get into the summer season. So that kind of segue into um, you know what we kind of talked about last last month or last uh, podcast. That right. Is, we said you know we are transitioning into the home buying season, and there are some changes you know when we move from a slow season to the home buying season. One thing that we are um, we addressed last time was as far as price is concerned, um, we will see a slight jump in price because of. The slow season, typically we have some investors, we have some first-time buyers, a bigger share of first-time buyers. That's right. And when we transition into slow buy, uh, into a home buying season, we see more trade-up buyers. That's right? more of the move-up market, I guess, right? Right, exactly. And they have a bit of a different profile in terms of like what types of homes that they buy and their impact on demand for the marketplace and things like that. Very true. But just to give, show, uh, throw some numbers out, yeah. first-time buyers roughly on the long run typically make up about 30% of all sales. Okay. That means repeat buyers make up 70%. That's a big... So they're the bulk of the market. Exactly, exactly. And then they typically buy a, a bigger house. Uh, just to give you some example, first-time buyers, they typically buy a house maybe with a square footage of about uh, under 1500 okay that's um, your first home kind of small but right yeah. right and maybe yeah, for, for many first-time buyers they may not have kids um, but for repeat buyers or trade-up buyers they typically have a slightly higher number uh, about 1800 oh wow uh, so yeah definitely I mean when you have two kids you need a little bit more room, right? So these are our families, our married couples, things like that, and that's when they're really getting active in the marketplace. Exactly, and and of course, when you are at a, um, when you are buying a, a bigger house or at a better location because your school school skips, districts and things like that, right? And you kind of have to expect a little bit higher price. Got uh, you. In terms of. Home prices. So I guess that's why you know prices ramp up also in the in the home buying season is not just because we kind of have a bigger uptick in demand because that's when folks like to move to not disrupt their you know school schedules and things like that, but also because they're buying bigger and more expensive homes. Right. I mean, you can say you know the mix of sales is uh, slightly changes between you know slow season and the uh, home buying season. Just to give you an example, the uh, from our survey based on our survey of last year, Daniel Housing Market Survey. 
the uh, repeat buyers typically purchase a median price home of about five hundred eighty-five thousand. Oh, okay. As compared to first-time buyer, about first-time buyers about four hundred thirty-seven thousand. Oh, that's a lot more. That's about 34 percent higher. Wow. So yeah, there definitely is a a, a change uh, in in home prices because of the mix of sales change as well. Um, what about you know how they go about purchasing that? I mean, how do you how do they how do they finance that stuff, or what's their kind of approach to to the actual process of purchasing that, and how they come up with the money? Well, first, you know, you have to understand, of course, if they're buying the, a bigger house, if we know that they're uh, they have a, uh, a higher price, they're buying a higher price property, uh, you would expect them to be maybe as far as age is concerned, a little bit uh, older. Right. And that's exactly the case. First time buyers age is 30, and typical third, first time buyers about 30, but for uh, repeat buyers, it's about 48. Oh, gotcha. So they're a little bit older. And you know, when you're older, you're wiser, but at the same time, you make a little bit more money, right? Yeah, more um, progressed in your career, got those kiddies running around. Right. So they make about 40% higher more in household income, so 140,000 in um, first time buyers. And so, and also because they're trade up buyers, they have a little bit more equity right from their first time uh, for for their first home and so that obviously then would impact you know, how much money they're able to put down i guess and things like and, that yeah, down payment i think most people uh for, for uh, repeat buyers they put down 20 percent down payment that's the uh the uh, median um and many of them uh, maybe shouldn't be a surprise many of them are actually uh, all cash buyers too oh wow about a quarter of them Wow, cash buyers. That is a big number. So that could, I guess, include folks who are, um, you know, buying properties to rent out or buying themselves a, a vacation home up in Big Bear or something like that as well. Very true. Very true. In fact, yeah, for uh, repeat buyers or trade-up buyers, about eighteen percent of them um, actually purchase the uh, property as an investment property. Oh wow! Um, and then another nine percent purchase as a vacation home. So. You know, as compared to only about two percent, three percent of the first-time buyers purchasing as a uh, uh, vacation home or investment property. So, you know, when 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 we move into the home buying season, of course, uh, we're expecting higher homes, but at the same time, we need to cater towards a little bit about you know what repeat buyers are buying, whether they're looking at you know investment as the uh, as the uh, intention of buying and also vacation. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, from this, I think, you know, 25% as big of a number as that is for all cash, I think it still, um, you know, means that 75% are financing some portion of the property. And so even for our repeat buyers, interest rates uh, really matter. And so that could still be a big motivator, I guess, even for the repeat buyer. Oh, yeah. And, 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 you know, we know anecdotally from um, studies that first-time buyers, they use, you know, interest rate is very, very important, but also, you know, how much down payment they put down. And so FHA loan allowed them, allowed first-time buyers to put a, a smaller down payment. Obviously. Right. But uh, trade-up buyers, there's some who actually use FHA loan also, uh-huh. but not a lot. Uh, as compared to, uh, for, for repeat buyers, it's only about 10%. Okay. Uh, as compared to 31%. Oh, wow. So almost one out of three first-time buyers is using FHA. Right, right. You know, so 
uh, definitely FHA loan is very important to first-time buyers. Not that it's not important to repeat buyers, but because they have a little bit more equity, they have a little bit more income. Um, yeah, if you can avoid those PMIs, I guess, right. then you know, you're not going to do it unless you have to. Right. So we just want to lay out those you know, facts on repeat buyers because you know, as we move into the home buying season, you know, there are a lot of repeat buyers out there. That's where the action is going to be, I guess, through the next three, four months as we progress through, right? Right, right. And I'm sure you know, a lot of members, they already know you know the um, you know difference between repeat buyers and first time buyers, but you know having these facts on hand um, definitely help us. You know definitely help uh, the members. Yeah, definitely. I mean, adjust your sales and your marketing to have you know school focus and things like that. I mean, uh, a big chunk of these folks are going to be you know family family oriented households and and you know using the the interest rate conversation as a motivator and i think talking about how um you know the cost of home ownership is only going to rise as rates rise even if you you know buy the exact same home i mean the other way to think about the rate question is you know every 50 basis points that rates go up on the median price home um you know if your income stays the same every 50 basis points is another 50 grand you know cheaper house that you have to buy to keep that payment the same right so if we go from exactly. 4.2 where we're at now to 4.7 uh, you know that means you've got to go from shopping for a $450,000 home to a $400,000 home and you know it's already hard enough to find affordable housing as it is and so you know again that's a, a important conversation that you can use to to motivate folks to to kind of get moving sooner than later Definitely, definitely. Um, we're almost out of time, but to wrap it up, I want to um, uh, let people know, you know, the, all these statistics that I mentioned about repeat buyers, they're based off of the uh, annual housing market survey. Which is available, I guess, on our website. On our website, also just to encourage people to take the survey, typically at the end of uh, the summer uh, or at the end of June, early part of July, we send out the survey. So um, if you receive a survey, definitely respond to it because we need some of those input you know from you guys so that we can actually give you guys up back some output yeah the more people that uh, give us data on what's happening in their markets and with their clients uh, the more bulletproof these numbers are going to be so definitely we'll look to that. definitely thank you for tuning in again until next time thanks everyone have a good one yeah.